Three, two, one, roll the Welcome back, everybody. I'm Simon Ziverino, your host. And today we explore with one of the world's leading futurists on global trends and disruptive innovation, how you can know what's next, how to develop opportunities and how to accelerate success. Welcome, everybody, Daniel Burrus. Hey, all right. Well, it's so great to be with you. Fantastic. So excited to have you here. Daniel, I am fed up with not knowing what's next. So how can I know? <laughs> I know, I know. Well, you know, we, we probably have had more uncertainty now than we have ever had in human history, the way things are going. But the problem with uncertainty is that strategy, whether it's a personal strategy or a business strategy that's based on uncertainty, has high levels of risk. That's why we do so much scenario planning because there's all these potential scenarios that companies develop strategies for. Of course, some of them, most of them never happen anyway, but at least it gives you some sense of, of help. And the reason there's so much uncertainty is because we all assume that the only thing you can be certain about is death and taxes. But actually that is not true at all because <clears throat> first of all, strategy based on certainty has low risk and high reward. When you're certain, you have the confidence to make a bold move. When you're certain, you have the confidence to write a big check. When you're certain, you don't say, I'll get another opinion. When you're certain, you move forward. So the power of certainty in an uncertain world gives you competitive advantage. And uh, to find certainty, we, instead of a list of things I am uncertain about, I'd rather have a list of things I'm certain about, which we'll get into in a minute. I would rather have a list of things that I can do instead of a list of things I can't do. Uh, so this is about finding certainty and therefore knowing what's next. For the last uh, 38 years, I've been uh, writing, I've written seven best-selling books about the future. I've uh, you know, written thousands of blogs and articles over the decades, uh, given over 3,000 keynote speeches around the world. And those of you that have been following me uh, know I've got an amazing track record of being right. Now, how can I be right? Well, I leave out the parts I can be wrong about. But the key is how much, not only I, but the power of you bringing me on is how much you can be right. Because the two most important moments in a human's life is the day you're born and the day you find why you were born. And I'm really fortunate that decades ago, I realized I was put on the planet to teach. So instead of just giving you some trends, by the way, I will do that. But instead of just giving you some trends and saying, all right, good luck. Uh, what I want to do is empower you through this presentation and to what we're doing today to actually know what's next and be able to do it beyond this podcast because you're going to spend the rest of your life in the future. Maybe you should think about it a little bit. <laughs> That's beautiful. We had Rita McGrath here and she, she taught us a little bit how she, she, she calls it uh, seeing around corners and uh, her methodology. And so this is so relevant. Um, what, what brought you to this topic? How did you realize that you, you are born to be a teacher? Yeah, well, you know, it was, uh, uh, 
I started out, I started out actually teaching biology and physics. And uh, so I started out as a teacher and uh, the, uh, I did that for a number of years and uh, I'm happy to say I got an educator of the year award my first year. It was kind of natural at it. I was really good at it, but I also was a little entrepreneurial and I actually put myself through college playing lead guitar in a, in a blues and rock band and we actually made money. So I kind of liked the entrepreneurial side and did some other things on the side. So I had an idea for an airplane design and I test, I built it, test flew it, turned out it was a great design, had 37 national locations in the first year. And I left education, started another company, another company, another company. And within two years, I had four different companies all doing highly innovative things, all of them national leaders, all of them profitable in the first year, but, but I missed teaching. That's what I was put on the planet to do. And it's uh, and so I asked myself, if I dial the clock ahead to I'm in my late 90s, looking back at my life, and this is what I did with the professional part of my life, am I happy? And the answer was no. So I listened to myself. I'm advising all of us to do that, by the way. And I decided to sell those companies and create more of an ideal future, combining teaching and being an entrepreneur and 38 years ago, I started Burris Research, and I've been, again, writing books and giving speeches and uh, doing strategic advising and developing learning systems and doing exactly what I was put on the planet to do, teach. And thanks to you, I'm here to uh, spread the word even further and help empower people to actively shape the future rather than passively receive it and to not just be agile. You know, most people are focusing on agility as the key strategy to deal with all of these transformations that are taking place. But let me just share this. Agility is a reactive strategy. I mean, anybody who knows sports knows it. Agility is reacting to something as quickly as you can. Reacting to, in the business context, a disruption as quickly as you can. React to a problem that occurs as fast as you can. The more agile you are, the faster you react. Uh, and of course, when there is a new disruption, then there's agile innovation, where you can try to innovate around that person who's already disrupted you. But what I'm doing is bringing the other side of the strategy coin. There's the agile side, which by the way, you need to be, and you need to be better at it because there's a lot of things you can't predict. There's a lot of uncertainty. However, there's an amazing amount of certainty that you can predict. And that's why I'm getting people to become anticipatory, learning how to anticipate disruptions before they disrupt. So that disruption becomes a choice, anticipating problems before you and your customers have them so that you can pre-solve them and move forward faster. So there's two sides of this strategy coin. And what I'm teaching and bringing to the world is becoming much more anticipatory and a little less reactionary. And that uh, that is all done through a methodology that I'd love to explore with everyone, and that is separating to know what's next, separating what I call hard trends from soft trends. I uh, don't wanna just keep talking because I know you're a brilliant guy. I've talked to you before. I wanna give you a chance to ask me questions, but if you wouldn't mind just a couple of minutes, let me lay the foundation of how I've been helping everyone from the Pentagon to the Googles to smaller companies uh, transform how they plan and how they innovate using this methodology. So let me give it to you very quickly. 
And that is, there's no shortage of trends. Uh, the problem is which ones are going to happen. That's why we don't spend a lot of time with trends. And there's all this uncertainty. So why bother? And also, um, when are they going to happen? Well, I've come up with an answer to that long ago that has proven itself. And that is, all trends can be divided into one of two categories. They're either a hard trend based on a future fact that will happen. Now, that means it cannot be stopped. It's going to happen no matter who you are. You can be Jeff Bezos with all the money in the world. It doesn't matter. It's going to happen anyway. And that's where you find certainty. That's where you can see disruptions before they disrupt. That's where you can see problems before you have them. The second type of trend is a soft trend. And that is based on an assumption about the future that may or may not happen. Now, again, it can be highly likely, and it doesn't mean it won't happen. But as a business person, you got to manage risk, especially when you're innovating. And there's a big difference risk-wise if you're innovating between something that is certain versus something that is a maybe. So the advantage of a, a soft trend is if you don't like them, you can change them. I'll give you a very quick example that is uh, US-based. I know we have a global group here, love talking to people around the world, we do it all the time. But in the United States, we've had an increase in healthcare costs every year for a couple of decades, going up, 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 up. And that seems unstoppable, seems like that is a future fact. But in reality, it is a soft trend, it is not a hard trend. If you assume it's unstoppable, what you do is develop strategies to figure out how to pay for the mess the aging population in the United States will cause as the baby boomers get older. But if you realize it's a soft trend and we could use transformational technologies to change that trajectory, for example, we could apply blockchain to healthcare and bring new transparency to the costs. And if you realize that the aspirin in your hospital costs $25 per pill, you might have your spouse bring it. If you realize that the knee replacement you were getting put into your uh, to your knee, that artificial knee, can vary in price by over 150% in the same network, you would start saying, wait a minute, I don't want to be paying those exorbitant fees, and price would start coming down. I'm just giving you a quick example. So there's two insights that I'm sharing that are, I think, really important for us. Number one, whenever you talk about a trend, anymore. Ask yourself, is it a hard trend based on a future fact that cannot be stopped? Or is it a soft trend that if you don't like it, it can be changed? It's based on an assumption that may or may not happen. The second thing I'm sharing with you is, it's an important one, never talk about a trend again if you just talk about the trend. Why? It's not actionable. So from now on, whenever you talk about a trend, not only is it a hard or a soft trend, but what is the opportunity for you and your organization? So the opportunity of a soft trend, don't like it, you can change it. Sales are going down. Well, you can write it down or you can do something different and bring it up. Sales are going up, but that's not a guarantee. They'll keep going up. That they keep going up given all the other things that are taking place. So trends, either hard or soft, and there are categories for hard trends. I won't get into all of that now unless you'd like me to, but it gives you the ability to know what's next. Yes, let's go deep because everybody right now listening is like, oh, wow, there is a process to seeing what's coming. 
And this is for us entrepreneurs, this is so important. As, as an investor, uh, I, I do this every week. What are the fundamentals? What's the technical analysis? What's the risk reward ratio? What's the portfolio location? And then I decide. So I have four steps for decision making and then I do my investments, right? So, but entrepreneurs don't learn this in school. They don't learn this in universities. We teach in universities. We know that you don't even learn it there. So yes, let's go deeper. What are the categories? We go hard and soft. How do we, how do we define hard? All right, great. By the way, what I'm doing now is I'm adding a fifth step for you uh, because this is an important one. I mean, you and I have both seen the right technology come out at the right time and fail. So of course you have to look at what's the mindset of the leaders and the people in that company. And are they, are they because the right technology can still fail if you have the wrong mindset. So really it's all about mindset and are we in a protect and defend mode, protecting and defending the way it's always been, or are we in an embrace the new and extend mode to take advantage of the disruptions? So I want to find companies, and by the way, I'd like everyone listening to this, to become what I call a positive disruptor. Now, what I mean by that is we think of disruption as negative. Why is that? Because it happens to you and now you gotta change. But the reality is um, Jeff Bezos, for example, uh, a very wealthy guy, uh, does he see disruption as negative? No, it's all the people he's disrupting that see it as negative. Well, you can do that no matter what size company you are, even if you're one person. The key is to understand creating a positive disruption means creating the transformations that need to happen to increase your relevancy and accelerate your innovation and growth. And again, how can you do that? Well, that's where hard and soft trends come in. So I wanted to get in the idea of you're either going to be the disruptor or the disrupted. There is no middle. You are no longer coasting. By the way, you can only coast downhill and there is a bottom. So you're either a disruptor or a disrupted. So in your evaluation of companies, are they a disruptor or are they about to be disrupted? Good question, because there are no middle. Secondly, are they doing something to increase their relevancy or are they coasting on their past relevancy? Because again, you can't coast in today's world. Good evaluation we should all do after this podcast. All right, so hard trends. I've tried to take complexity and make it simple. So there really are three categories of hard trends so that we can all really grasp it. And they're not, they're not hard actually, they're easy to understand, but they are hard trends. Number one, demographics. And think globally, don't just think US because we've got people all over the world here. So in the United States, I'll use them as an example, there are around 68 million baby boomers. And uh, so they are you know, nearing or already retired. They're in that phase. Um, and our uh, hard trend, they're not going to get younger. All of a sudden, they're not going to become 20. They're going to continue to age. They're going to continue to retire. And there are a lot of predictable problems that we could pre-solve or let play out. Uh, for those of you that read my uh, 1993 bestseller, Technotrends, uh, I was talking about how uh, right around now, because of demographics, you could predict that we would end up with a shortage of airline pilots. We'd end up with a shortage of line workers, a shortage of bus drivers and truck drivers. 
because of all of the people that are retiring and the demographics of who replaces them is actually less and they have a different mindset. They may not want to do those things. So um, again, things that we're experiencing today is not out of the blue, actually quite predictable. So demographics is one. And as an entrepreneur, how do you develop a, a product out of that? Because I know you're going to ask me that. I'll just kind of jump ahead because I'm being anticipatory. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so uh, how do you develop an opportunity out of that? I know you wanted to get into that because you mentioned that in the beginning. So let me give you an opportunity example. All right, you got all these aging people in, in many countries, not all. So um, a lot of people love to go boating, a lot of people love to go fishing. And as you get older, it gets hard to launch the boat. It gets hard to get in the boat, especially if it's a boat, smaller boat that has a trailer. So uh, anybody that's got a grandma or grandpa or a mom and dad that's aging and loves to do that knows, hey, that gets to be a problem. What if you and I created the easy launch trailer for seniors? Uh, and if we designed and built it well, would we have a clearly definable growing opportunity in an aging country's population? Yeah, I know exactly how what year they're aging. I know exactly how many of them there are. Uh, I can see how many people are turning 75 and 80 and 85 and 90. I know where all the water is. I know where people like the boat. I know exactly what countries to export to. By the way, I know what countries not to export to, where we have young populations. Wow, I could actually get a, a VC to fund this because I've got some proven uh, growth strategies that are not just speculation. They're based on hard, tangible, real numbers that are part of the future facts. Now, I could give you many, many ones. Let me give you another quick one. A lot of people uh, get uh, uh, fall as they get older. We're talking 80s, 90s, and they break a hip or they injure themselves. So falls are a big problem, and it's expensive when they get in the hospital. But uh, the smallest uh, 3D printed camera today is the size of a fly's eye. So let that sink in. It's a 4K camera, by the way. So, yeah, yeah. So what could I do with that? And is there a way to make that uh, intelligent? Or could I have just some sensors? And the answer is, what if we had for a shoe, you put a little like a slipper over a shoe, a little rubber thing that fits over the shoe in the front has a couple of sensors that are Bluetooth to your, your smartphone and to your ear. All right. So that you can hear and uh, when you're coming up on a step or you're coming up on a, on a ditch or you're coming up on a hole or whether it's going up or down or some kid put a toy in the way, that'd beep, 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 or it'll even tell you, you know, because it could be a, a sense, it could be intelligent, right? Step, coming up, step. Or it could say, uh, kid's toy, tell them to move it or, you know, make it fun. That now, could that stop a lot of problems? Well, yes. Now, I just gave you something that doesn't exist. I just gave you a product example that it does not exist right now. Now, that was just the first category, demographics. Wow, one hard, yeah, yeah. one demographic. Wow. Yeah, and by the way, here's an interesting thing. Now that I've shared that with all of those that are on this podcast today, let me ask you something. The technology to do it is there right now. Yeah. The problem is there to, to right now. 
So let me ask you this. Do you think you'll never see that? That is not going to happen. Now, you know what? When it comes to this type of innovation, if it can be done, it will be done. If you don't do it, someone else will. So you, I'm talking about not just you, but everyone listening right now, you're going to be watching this, uh, watching the news in the next couple of years, and you're going to see that introduced. And you say, I remember the guy in the podcast telling us about that. Well, I get people telling me that all the time. God, I saw another one of those. Matter of fact, I'm named in all these patents because they heard me in a speech or a podcast or read one of my blogs. Well, you can do this. You can all do this. All right. So I just gave you one demographics. But, oh, my God. So there were two there. Easy launch trailer for seniors. The smart shoe uh, sensor to keep people from falling. By the way, we could generate a whole bunch of them. That all will happen anyway. As long as they're going to happen anyway, maybe one of you should do it right now. All right. Let me give you another one. Second category, technology. That's a hard trend. Uh, category. Whoa, huge and so predictable. Oh my goodness. Uh, it is, it's amazing. For example, let me give you some simple examples. We had 3G wireless, then we had 4G wireless. We're getting 5G wireless. Is that it? No. What will be next? 6G wireless followed by 7G wireless. And by the way, is that an if or a maybe? Is that an assumption? Uh-uh. It's a future fact. And can you tell when it'll be coming out? Yes, it's been riding a predictable exponential curve all along. It was easy for me to predict when 2G, 3G, 4G, 5G, 6G is coming out, how powerful they will be. And when you know when it's coming out and how powerful it will be, you can start deciding how I'm going to profit from this. By the way, let me just say 5G is transformational, more so than any of you realize. When we went from 3G to 4G, you started watching television on your phone and streaming video. Before that, it didn't work good. We did all sorts of things. Billion dollar companies were started within two years after 4G was introduced. 5G is here and just being introduced right now. Billion dollar companies will be created in the next, get this, 12 months based on the capabilities of 5G. So if you're thinking, I'm just gonna have some faster downloads and see a little better video, you are thinking way too small. So why don't you become a billionaire and think a little bigger? But that's just 5G. Yeah, I've been trying, I track hundreds of technologies. They're all just there. As a matter of fact, we know that uh, we're still in a global pandemic as of this exact moment. By the way, the pandemic will end and success post-pandemic will be determined by what you do now, not post-pandemic. So wait and see attitudes will not work. So, uh, so coming back to uh, the pandemic, when something bad happens, know that something good just happened. By the way, when something good happens, you should also check something bad just happened. It's good to understand both sides of that at all times. So when the pandemic started, there were a lot of bad things that happened. A lot of people died, and you know that. But on the other hand, we all were forced to change on a global level. We locked down. The world locked down. We went digital. We started doing remote work from, uh, from our homes. By the way, we could have done that two years, three years, four years before the pandemic, but you didn't because you weren't forced to. We started, had to talk to your doctor and your nurse uh, using your computer. Well, they could have done that years ago, but they didn't have to. 
we started teaching kids remotely. Of course, we didn't have, we could have done that, but we didn't do that either. So all of a sudden, what happened? Now I'm tracking many technologies, but I'll tell you right now, 16 key technologies advanced way beyond exponential levels. Because we, they've been growing exponentially for a long time. Two becomes four becomes eight. But the pandemic made things progress eight and ten years in a matter of one and two months. Now, here's an insight for all of you. When you have technology acceleration beyond exponential, you have opportunity ex beyond exponential acceleration. Better be thinking about this. You know, why, why didn't a cab driver think of Uber? Why didn't Marriott think of Airbnb? And the reason is they were all busy doing what they've always done. The question I'm asking you right now, all of you, is are you really busy right now doing what you've always done, missing the biggest opportunities that have ever happened on planet Earth? That's where we are right now. Opportunities to do good things for people, to help elevate all sorts of things and make a lot of money. I want you to be thinking about this. So technology trends, and by the way, if you go to <clears throat> Burris, B-U-R-R-U-S.com, without paying any anything, on my home page, do one scroll down, and you can get download my, uh, for free again, uh, my list of all of the technology hard trends that are out there right now that are shaping the future. Use that as a stimulator for yourself. All right, so there you go, I'm giving it to you. On a side note, you said this pandemic will end. When do you see the end of this? Because I just see the, the next cycle. Indonesia, Malaysia, Australia are closing down. It, it looks like it, it is here to stay in waves like the flu. But you said end. When is the end? Yeah. Well, um, the uh, how long the pandemic will end is a, uh, well, most of it is a soft trend, not a hard trend. What I mean by that is uh, we have vaccines and we know the vaccines work uh, because, of, for example, in the United States, we have a really good test case because if you look at the hospitals that are filling up, I think the latest uh, statistic from the American Hospital Association is that 96% of the people that are in the hospital or dying are unvaccinated. It's a pretty good experiment. So, uh, you know, obviously this, this, these things do work. But because there's, we've entered the disinformation age, uh, there's a lot of people that are hesitating and not getting into it. We're listening to politicians instead of doctors for some reason. So uh, because we're doing that and think that, uh, that you know, that's what we have to do, um, we have extended the pandemic to a degree. Now, because we tend to be crisis managers versus opportunity managers, we will wait until the cry that the building is burning before we actually start, you know, really doing something about it. So actually this next wave that's happening right now, the Delta wave that's starting to close things down is in a way doing us a bit of a favor, us all us humans on the planet, because it is going to uh, cause enough destruction and death and things like that, that we uh, we may get some of the disinformation to die down and we may get more people to embrace. Because let's look historically, uh, just a minute, is how do you end a pandemic? By the way, just an interesting thing. <clears throat> During Thanksgiving last year, a friend of mine, a relative, sent me a picture of our my relatives back in the late 1800s 
at a Thanksgiving dinner and they all were wearing masks because it was a global pandemic at the time. So this has happened before, by the way. So just, it, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but uh, you asked me when it'll end. Let me just give you a, a, a little a bit of an idea. A pandemic is actually a global outbreak. So normally we have outbreaks in like uh, Africa, there'll be an outbreak, Ebola or something, and we'll contain it. You know, people will wear, wear masks, we'll contain it, and we'll look at can we develop some drug or something that will keep that from spreading, but we got to contain it. Uh, or it happens with SARS in the Middle East, or it happens in China or somewhere. Uh, but occasionally, uh, if it's infectious enough, and because we all travel and take planes, and because we are global, uh, it can spread quickly. And in this case, it became a global outbreak, which is a pandemic. So to answer your question, uh, because of the disinformation A, and because we don't have enough of the vaccine in places that need it yet, we, sh we need to do that, or we're gonna have more variants. So we gotta really work as a global community together to get more people in those areas, Malaysia, Africa, places like that, to get the, the vaccine and that really push to make that happen, uh, we can bring it under control. So um, probably given the trajectory that we've got, it's going to be a, a pandemic that, remember to end it, it can no longer be global. It's gotta be isolated, like just a few countries having trouble, right? Yeah. Well, so plan on, so we plan on a little bit, plan on some more time on this. You got a couple of things to shut it down. So here's what I'm saying. Instead of waiting for, you know, or, uh, to do something, to launch a business, to move forward, uh, realize that we're at an amazing transformational phase right now, and we can do amazing things. And, uh, and so we should be moving forward. And, um, and I think we'll, again, I think we're going to see this lasting longer than we would have liked, but we will get to an end because we actually have tools to bring it to an end. We just need to get them dispersed. Like we did with measles and chicken pox and polio and everything else. Back to the anticipatory method. First, we separate the hard from the soft trends. And now in the hard trends, we go through the categories. One, demographics, two, technology. What's next? Yeah, one more. And this one will freak everybody out because they would say, well, that, that can't be true, but it is. And that is government regulation. By the way, there are regulations everywhere, including China, including everywhere. And um, and you might think, well, politicians, I mean, how can that be a hard trend? First of all, um, uh, a list of things that I'm not certain about doesn't empower me. So are there any regulations I can be certain about? And the answer is yes. Let me give you an example. Uh, will we have more regulation around cybersecurity? The answer is yes. Why? Because there are some hard trends at play that politicians can't ignore, but there's some other things that they could debate. So they're going to debate a whole bunch of things in any country, but there are some things that just are so hard trend based, you can't ignore. And we actually start creating some regulations around it. And by the way, when we don't, we have trouble and then we do. So um, Elon Musk is a perfect example. And that is most of us, when we look at a government regulation, a new law or something like that, we look at all the things we don't like and we get bummed out because there's an endless list of things we don't like. But one of the things I teach in my anticipatory leader learning system is opposites work better. 
So instead of starting with what you don't like, start with what you like. He goes, you'll never get to the like list if you start with what you don't like. And what Musk does is he's done that since the beginning. Every business that Elon Musk has started where he used funding from the government. By the way, it's not just government US funding. All countries have ways of rewarding desired behaviors with funding to get what they want businesses and people to do. Um, so does it take an Elon Musk to be able to create billion dollar companies funded by government regulation? And the answer is, oh no. Let me give you a, how one individual who had no money did it. So you know that anybody can do this, all right? Uh, <clears throat> I met her a couple of years back. So in California, a big state in the United States, there are about a thousand new uh, laws, uh, regulations rather, that are passed every year. And uh, one of them a couple of years ago was a law, a real, real one regulation that within three years, all kindergartners and first graders, the little kids, half of their reading material in school needs to be nonfiction, half of it. Got three years to do it, that's now law of California. Now, when you read something like that, your instinct is, what are they thinking? Why would they wanna do that? And government again, and you get all upset, and you can come up with a thousand reasons why it's all stupid. However, uh, a 28-year-old teacher in, in San Diego, where I have one of my offices, uh, she did something a little different. She did what I suggested, and she looked for the opportunity. She made three phone calls. She called the San Diego School District, the Los Angeles School District, and the San Francisco School District. By the way, she chose wisely. They're very big. And she said, you got three years to get uh, half the reading material for those little kids to be nonfiction. If I supplied the books, would you be interested? And they said, yes. To make a long story short, they un basically underwrote starting a business of a person who was a school teacher that didn't have money, but had a path forward and a way to pitch it. She didn't have to go on Shark Tank. She used hard trends and government regulations to be able to fund a business that is doing quite well. So what I'm getting at is government regulations. Why don't you look for the opportunities? It's a gold mine there. Um, and once we have some defined, some defined rules uh, and things like that, we can take advantage of it. Uh, secondly, you've got demographics. And it's not just about baby boomers. It's about the different mindsets of the different generations and making sure your organization, your company is ready for it. For example, back on demographics, if you're a retailer and you have a brick and mortar operation and your main demographic is older people, you better have really good clean bathrooms and some chairs for, for people to sit while the other people are shopping. Uh, if you have young demographic, probably don't even need bathrooms and you sure don't need chairs. In other words, we need to think different about how we address the different needs and desires and wants and technology expectations of the different demographics. And of course, I mentioned technology. And as you'll see when you go to my website, you'll see a big list there. But oh my God, it's so predictable. If you went back again, I mentioned my old book, uh, Technotrends uh, from 93. If you look at that book, you'll see I talked about smartphones with accurate time frames, what became the iPhone. I talked about social media. There wasn't any back then. I even uh, got into the idea of, uh, of how block, one of the sections, there's a 93 book, remember? One section said Blockbuster is busted. And if you read what I wrote, you would have been reading about Netflix. Uh, now, 
Is it because I'm smart? Well, no. What I'm really saying is there's a methodology I'm using. You can use this. You can do this. So the category two technology and category three government regulations are right now in the news. This week, Venezuela has started adopting blockchain as legal tender. Uh, sorry, um, El Salvador. And, uh, and, uh, and some other countries, including Panama, are discussing the option. We have the infrastructure bill in the US, which is really a vital conversation right now on how to regulate it. And many of us, we, we just try to understand the next months. So how are you trying to understand what's coming there? Well, <clears throat> when, I was, um, when I was in high school, probably my second year in high school, there was a senior in high school that lived a couple couple of roads down. And uh, he was a, what we called a wrench, meaning he loved to work on his hot rods. And uh, we had done something to his car and he asked me if I'd like to take a ride with him one evening. And we had what he did was on his bright beams of his headlights, he put aircraft landing lights. So when we went out in the dark of this area without cars coming towards us, of course, because it was highly illegal, he flipped on the high beams, the aircraft landing lights. And I remember to this day how it lit up everything. In other words, things that I couldn't see, I could see. I could look so far out in the distance. Oh, my goodness. What hard trends do is it flips on the aircraft landing lights of your future. It allows you to look beyond the this month or next month or next year or, you know, whether the pandemic will end or not. Rather, it gives you all of these things that you can see in much more distance. And when you can start to see that, when the, uh, when the invisible becomes visible, all of a sudden problems that seem to be impossible to solve are not so impossible anymore. All of a sudden new opportunities, I gave you a couple of quick examples, all of a sudden start becoming visible. As a matter of fact, let me, let me give all of you something I'd like you to do um, before, uh, after this is over. Because uh, I want to, I know we're getting, uh, uh, we have a little bit of time left, but I don't want to miss this. Because again, I'm giving you some insights. Here's something I'd like you to do. I'd like you to spend one hour a week unplugging from the present and all the things that are happening and the crises and everything else and plug into your future. Because the future is where you're going to spend the rest of your life. Like I said in the beginning, maybe you ought to think about it. And if you don't put that hour in your calendar, it won't happen as an appointment because you'll be putting out another fire. But this is about opportunity management, not crisis management. And in that hour, instead of all the things you're uncertain about, I would like you to look at the hard trends of things you, you can be certain about with a related opportunity. You uh, look at the soft trends that if you don't like them, you can change them with the opportunity to change it to an advantage. You will get a list and I'd like you to refine it down to at least one thing that you will take action on. And I think you'll find out that that hour will become an hour of power uh, because, uh, and when you are, uh, are evaluating companies and people who invest in companies to invest in or stocks or whatever, have a bigger, more of a three-dimensional view rather than a one or two-dimensional view and make sure that you're taking into consideration 
Are they using hard trends or are they using soft trends? Is this based on something that's going to happen anyway, or is it based on something that may or may not happen? It'll help you to develop opportunities and jump ahead faster. All of a sudden I've lost your audio. I don't know what happened. Is blockchain hard or soft? Thank you. Or in your method? Oh, blockchain, that blockchain is a hard trend, absolutely. Um, and as a matter of fact, when, uh, when Bitcoin first came out, and of course, blockchain is a enabling tool for a Bitcoin cryptocurrency, uh, I wrote a blog and, uh, cause a lot of people, I got over a million people following me on LinkedIn and I published my blogs there and in other places. So I wrote a blog and I said, uh, you know, Bitcoin underlying blockchain, cryptocurrency, those things are hard trends. The genie is out. Now you can't put it back. And I even said in that article, there will be hundreds and hundreds of different cryptocurrencies, not just block and not just Bitcoin. Uh, it will expand. So the genie is out. It is a hard trend. Now the key is what do we do with it? And remember a Bitcoin as an example of a cryptocurrency is private. Government did not put that out. But now we have governments around the world, including China, including the Bahamas, including the United States and others that are looking at a one that's put out by central banks. Uh, it's digital currency, which is a little different than cryptocurrency because crypto is done, think of it more as by private, Bitcoin is private, is where this is companies now doing it, or I'm sorry, uh, banks, central banks. And uh, there are, so we're gonna see that continue to, to spread. And there are many other things to help people see the future. Uh, let me give you one more teaching moment. I can't help myself, I'm a teacher. And that is uh, to see the future better. Don't think the future is either this or that. Think the future is this and that. Here's what I mean by that. So is the future all digital and cryptocurrency or will they be the kind of currency that we're familiar with? The answer is simple. It's gonna be both. Um, the, is the future all autonomous vehicles and no steering wheels and brakes and gas pedals? No, it's a combination of uh, autonomous and semi-autonomous. In other words, to see the future better, it's not just one or the other. And when you're looking at legacy technology and then all the new stuff in a big company, how do you, how do you, what do you do? Because everything is running on the legacy stuff. And my, first of all, I worry more about legacy thinking than I do legacy technology. So change your mindset, you change your results. That's why I want you to be anticipatory. And that's why I developed the learning system on how to be anticipatory. And uh, and again, secondly, uh, again, it's about separating the, the wheat from the chaff so that you can find a pathway forward and, uh, and a way to move forward. There are legacy companies right now that are not having a legacy mindset at all, like Amazon. Legacy company, but absolutely disruptive every every week of their being, and they they do they they don't let themselves be stopped by their own legacy. They disrupt themselves before they can be disrupted. Or uh, some parts of Google, I would also call uh, not legacy companies in terms of their mindset. What what examples do you see right now of people embracing the blockchain uh, hard hard trend? Because that seems to be, okay, it's here, it's going to happen, 
but I don't see small small entrepreneurs, middle-sized companies really acting on it in terms of how does it change my business? Well, um, I have. And uh, let me give you some examples. First of all, let me give you a big company that everybody knows, uh, Walmart. A uh, year and a half ago, they started uh, transforming their supply chain using blockchain so that they could better track all the stuff that's being made in other countries like China and so on and track it better when it's being shipped. So, I mean, that's a very successful use of blockchain in the as it applies to the supply chain. Now, I'm giving you a company that's been around for a long time, uh, you know, but Walmart is doing that. I'm just giving you one example. But let me uh, give you another one. There is a, uh, a person that I know that uh, is a excellent uh, uh, software engineer and programmer. At, actually, at one time she worked for, in her 20s, she worked for uh, uh, Microsoft and the AI space. And she's also a music star and super talent. Uh, so she's a musician. She left Microsoft to uh, do music. By the way, she's an amazing pop star. Her name is Shalita Burke. And um, I was talking to Shalita and uh, and she was talking about how it's hard to get some of her music on uh, radio stations because the radio stations are all owned by the big, uh, the big um, uh, record labels. And um, if you're smaller, you can't get on it. So there's a way to get on. Uh, I Because I knew her talent. I said, uh, why don't you be the first musician that accepts cryptocurrency for payment? and make that a news item. So she did that and it was written up in Forbes and other places and got in the news that she was starting to disrupt the music industry. And uh, and her all of a sudden she hit her first uh, million people, you know, watching or uh, her doing her music, listening and downloading her music. And then I said, well, why don't you, uh, why don't you uh, develop a blockchain for the music industry? And uh, so that uh, musicians could get paid uh, and could get uh, exchanges done using blockchain. So she developed the first one of those. Now she's being really being disruptive. Remember, this is one person and uh, who obviously is talented with software, but hey, she was able to do that. And again, got written up and uh, got more visibility and her, uh, everything helped the career because uh, she was now being a positive disruptor. And by the way, as I mentioned it to her, uh, if you don't do it, <clears throat> will it not happen? And she knew it would happen eventually anyway. Well, if it's going to happen anyway, why don't you be the one to do it? And she did. So I'm giving you an example of how even one person can do something that disrupts an entire industry. And as a matter of fact, when I was writing that, my last book, The Anticipatory Organization, but the book before that called Flash Foresight, uh, How to See the Invisible and Do the Impossible, which I'm happy to say was a New York Times, Amazon, Wall Street bestseller, uh, when I was writing that book, I ran an experiment back in 2010, and uh, I uh, used the principles of the book to start a company and uh, created the first um, a mobile app for real estate. And I did that with uh, no employees, and, uh, and I was busy, and, uh, and I was in the Wall Street Journal, New York Times the first week. I was on the news the next week. I was the 17th most downloaded uh, app in the Apple Store within the first two days. Uh, and it did really well. And um, and so what I'm getting at is, I mean, hey, I would do that on the side. I mean, that year that I did that wasn't like I had no time. I was uh, I gave, I think, 100 speeches globally that year. I was writing my book. 
Uh, I was writing an article a week as a, uh, you know, getting published. I was consulting with organizations. It's not like I had spare time. My point is a lot of us don't do this stuff because we think we don't have the time. And I would say, think again, maybe you do. There's a way to, to do that. To be, to be so productive. How do you manage time, manage energy? Oh, really good question. Thanks for asking that. Um, I was asked by a, a reporter a couple of years ago, what's the, your most important piece of software? And I said, it's my calendar. <clears throat> because uh, if I don't block it off, it isn't going to happen. I mean, time to have fun. I got to make sure I got that built in. If I don't build vacations in, I won't have one. If I don't get to the gym and say, I'm going to go, and that's when I'm going, I don't get to the gym. If I don't say at three o'clock in the afternoon, I'm working on my book, it doesn't get done. So I build in things. And again, I have time to be spontaneous. I, uh, I, I, but I have to, if I don't work my calendar, you know what? I won't even have time to be spontaneous. I'll just be working all the time. Maybe some people can relate to that. So what I do is make sure that I block time to have things happen. The other thing is, um, it's a longer subject, but there's a difference between gifts, a gift and a talent. And um, when we are uh, just using our talents, uh, we uh, sometimes then never discover the gift and use it. Once we really discover what our gift is and we direct our talents to support the gift, uh, then we can soar without flapping our wings. So in this case, uh, I job out the things I'm talented at because frankly, that's not what I'm gifted at. I try to stay in my gift zone as much as I can and get other people that are talented because in the talent zone, you know what? There's other people that are talented just like you are. However, if you're tapping into your true gift, there aren't other people like you. There's only you. And when you soar with that, whoa. So I try to stay in my gift zone and uh, get other people doing the talent zones. Just a little uh, food for thought. Wow. Talent versus gift. Beautiful. Where do you get your information? Do you have specific sources that give you more information? Or is it just you see what everybody sees, but it's your process of separating and working and acting on the information that makes the edge? Yeah, well, thank you. Uh, actually, the, I, my company is called Burris Research for a reason. We are a research company, so I, I don't work alone. And uh, I have uh, a number of people that are researching all these global innovations. So when I started the company in 1983, holy cow, a long time ago, um, I started, re, uh, I created a taxonomy of high technology, lasers, robots, genetics. I had AI in there. I had nano. I had all these things. Actually, I published it as a list of 20 back then that would shape the future. And that list is still a valid right there. Genetic engineering is in there. Uh, it's all right there. So that was a core foundation that I used. I had research going on in all these areas. So my primary uh, uh, research and my primary reading, my personal reading, I do a lot of it, is I do have to read the things that other people are reading so that I know what not to tell them because I don't want to tell them what they already know. So I have to read the London Financial Times. I have to read the Asian Wall Street Journal. Uh, and I have to look at, uh, you know, Fortune Forbes. I have to look at those things just so I can know what not to tell people because I already know that. What is really important for me to read is uh, uh, the uh, these innovations and these new technologies and these new 
discoveries that, because uh, my mind goes right to how can you be applied? How will that shape the future? Um, and um, for example, there's a new type of paint that is the whiter, it's white, whiter white than we've ever had before, meaning it reflects all, all light. It reflects it all. So if the tops of buildings were painted with that white, it would lower their air conditioning costs by, I think it's like 50% or something like that. Uh, and there's some other benefits of that. So see, what I do is I, when I read about something like there's a new whiter paint that's whiter than any other white that's ever been, I start going into how can that be used and what social good does that cause and what are the new entrepreneurial I So I, I'm reading tons of things. And I, one of my newsletters, the Technotrends newsletter, has been published since the early 80s. I've got thousands of subscribers all over the world, including uh, news agencies and the McKenzie's and the Deloitte's and companies like that. And uh, I give them the latest, uh, you know, innovations and uh, insights. So I have a number of publications. If people want to go deeper, uh, they find all your books on Amazon. But where is your blog? Where, where, where do you currently publish the, the, the most? Yeah. Well, first of all, you could go to, uh, again, Burris, B-U-R-R-U-S dot com and find I've got blog there and you can subscribe to blogs there as well as other tools that you can have access to. Uh, follow me on LinkedIn. And I've got, I think, 1.28 million people that are following me and are enjoying because I publish on there one, sometimes two or three times a week. Uh, that's a good place to get in to, to uh, get it. I uh, blog wise, I'm syndicated. So uh, I'm covered all over the world by a number of publications that when they tap into my blog on my website, then they can uh, publish it in other places. So that's where Forbes and others. And there are articles that uh, that I write, you know, for Harvard Business Review and other places. Usually, I let people know about that through my newsletters and through my uh, blogs. So you could probably find a good center point on either LinkedIn or on uh, Burris.com. And what are articles or books that touched you recently? Uh, I would say um, one of the things that uh, it's, it's the insights that I pull from uh, seeing what people are doing and how they're applying tools. And one of the reasons, uh, first of all, I'm very optimistic about the future, not pessimistic at all for two big reasons. Number one, pessimists never do anything because they know it'll fail. Okay. Secondly, uh, uh, I'm optimistic about the future because I've met so many at different ages, young kids, uh, 20-somethings, 30-somethings, 40-somethings that are bright bulbs. You're in a room with them and the room lights up. They're excited about the future. They're, uh, they've been learning, they're growing. They're, uh, they know that uh, lifelong learning is a reality for them. And they're looking at making a positive change. How could I not be excited about that? We've got a world full of them. As a matter of fact, the people listening to this right now, you are those people with, with all of that. And look what we can do when we put our minds to it. When humans decide to really focus on something, we can do, we can make the impossible possible. Let's face it, in the 60s, we put, a, we put men on the moon more than once. That was in the 60s. 
If you ever go to the Smithsonian, take a look in one of those capsules at the control panel. You'll see big knobs that you have to turn, giant gauges. How the heck did they go to the moon with that? But they did. And uh, let's face it, we developed these uh, mRNA vaccines because the global community of scientists put their heads together and did something very quickly because they knew they had to. It's when we put our heads together, we can do amazing things. When we go beyond ego and politics and uh, decide to be not successful, um, but instead um, uh, focus on helping others. And, uh, and when we're focused on others more than ourselves, all of a sudden amazing things happen. So I get inspiration from reading about individuals and people from different countries, different places, doing amazing things like that. And I get inspiration from the tools because we've got game-changing tools that are transformational. Matter of fact, let me make a prediction for all of us right now, because I know we're getting to the end of our time here. And let me just say <clears throat> that give me a, I'm going to give you all a short-range prediction. Most futurists never give short-range predictions because you might remember it. Uh, that's because they may or may not be right. But I will be right. It's based on hard trends. I want you to remember it and act on it. Over the next three years, and that's a short time frame, over the next three years, we're going to be transforming every business process. How we sell, how we market, how we communicate, how we collaborate, how we innovate, how we train, how we educate. We're transforming the whole shooting match. Now, why, how do I know that? The hard trends are there already to do it. The tools are there to do it. Matter of fact, some of them are free or very inexpensive. Um, and again, if it can be done, it will be done if you don't do it someone else. So what's the soft trend? This is an interesting question. Here's the soft trend. Will you transform your business processes? I don't know. Can't predict that. That's a soft trend, but you could. It'll happen anyway. You may wait until all your competition has done it and then try to catch up. Or you may realize that it's going to happen anyway. Instead of just changing and tweaking something, maybe I should transform it. The tools are there now. So it's going to happen anyway. Do you want to be last? I don't think so. Beautiful. Thank you for this prediction. And uh, now we go and act. And, uh, and we Very say good. thank you for being here, for sharing your knowledge, your wisdom with us. Who should be my next guest? Uh, well, there are a number of really, I mean, there's so many really great people. Uh, one that comes to mind very quickly is a uh, guy that I know. His name is uh, Scott McCain. And uh, he does, uh, he's an expert on how to become iconic, how to create an iconic company. In other words, how do you take your company and make it iconic? How did it become an iconic brand? Uh, I would say he would be outstanding for you, super good and very insightful and gives you actionable takeaways. Uh, another one uh, you might even think of is uh, Ford Seeks, Seeks, S-A-E-K-S. Ford is unbelievably great. Again, I've got a giant list, but let me give you a couple that you could draw from right away. Thank you so much, Daniel Boros, everybody. And uh, you can find out more from him. Go to your newsletter. It's boros.com and Boros Research. Thank you so much, Daniel, for sharing your wisdom and your research. Thank you. Decision-making framework. And please come back soon. I will. Thank you. 
avoid trying to do thousands of things that doesn't work. We have 274 templates for your business success. Reach your ambitious goals with one-on-one -on -one sprint coach. We double your revenue in 90 days.